Today's gospel follows up directly after last week's gospel in which our Lord went home and was rejected by his own people, the ones who saw him grow up. And before we get into this gospel passage, I want to talk a little bit about the gospel of Mark and see how the context starts to fit together a little bit. So we think of the Bible as one book, but in reality it's dozens of books. In each one, a letter or book written at a different time to a different people in a different situation. So the Gospel of Mark, when was that written? It was written about the year 70. Mark was a follower of Peter. He wasn't one of the 12 that Christ is sending out here, but his understanding of Jesus came through the witness of Peter. So a lot of ways what we're hearing here from Mark is Peter's understanding of Christ, what he experienced as Christ. And who is he writing to? He's writing to the Romans. At the time they're in Rome, they've left the Holy Land, they're going out. They're doing what Christ called them to do to tell people about his message, the resurrection. And many of them weren't Jews. So he's talking to a Gentile people. He's talking to people uh, who really need a lot of explanation to understand what's going on. And what's interesting is that at this time in Rome, it was illegal to be a Christian. The great early writer of the scriptures, Paul, had just been martyred a couple years before this was written. So they knew when they heard these words that if they were to believe in this and to accept this truth, to go out and to do what Christ was calling them to do, it meant risking their lives. They had no place to lay their head. The former Jewish communities who now had fully embraced what Christ had taught, they were no longer welcomed by the Jews. And the Romans consider them atheists because they would not offer sacrifice to the Roman gods. Kind of interesting that Christians would be called atheists, but that's what the Romans called them. And if they were caught as Christians, they would, they would be put to death. So it was very much a of courage, an act of bravery, an act of virtue that these early holy uh, men and women did to embrace the faith and to pass it on. And a lot of the ways I think we can relate with that. When we hear these words, we recognize that the truths we hold dear to us, the truths that Christ gave to us, not accepted by the world. Doesn't matter how you affiliate yourself in the United States, there's no real group or party that really is on all sides of what the Catholics believe. When we know what Christ has taught us through scripture and tradition over 2,000 years in regards to positions on the family, positions on marriage, positions on the vulnerable, the elderly, the sick, the immigrant, the unborn, we have no place to lay our heads. In a lot of ways, we're ostracized the same way that these holy men and women were. Now, this does not lead us to despair, for we know that the same sacraments that they received to have that courage, to have that grace, to go out and to allow Christ to work with them to spread his message, we receive right here in the Eucharist. And when we receive our Lord inside of us, when we receive that great gift, it is not to be kept within ourselves. It is meant to go out. It is meant to be that light in a dark room. For we live in the world we are set apart. That when people experience us, they should get a sense of the joy that we have in living our Catholic faith. They should get a sense that there is something different about us. 
the fact that we understand the world is not enough and the only thing that is going to satisfy us is our Lord. It's the only lasting thing. It's the only thing that will not pass. So in our example, in our lives, as we go through just living the joy of our faith, the good times and the bad, we witness to Christ. Maybe if the opportunity comes up to talk about our faith, we ask the Lord to give us the grace to do that. But most especially, we do this through our prayers, through uniting the will of our Father to us as we go close to him in prayer, as we get to know him. We pray for our friends, our co-workers, our families, and all of those that God puts in our life to grow closer to Christ. And most especially, on this day in which the gospel is talking about uh, sending out the 12, we recognize that we also need to pray for vocations. We need to pray for young women to consider being nuns. We need to pray for young men to consider being priests. For this, these 12 that Christ sends out, they were the first bishops. And through that unbroken line all the way down to Bishop David Malloy, our bishop here in the Diocese of Rockford, and the bishops who've ordained Monsignor Knox, Father Ganella, and just a few weeks ago, Father Sarmiento. It's that same act that our Lord is talking about here. So we pray for vocations. A couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go to one of my, two of my classmates' ordination in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'd never been to Tulsa. It's hot, and uh, it was really a tremendous opportunity. You know, we, we, we experienced the Catholic faith here in St. Charles, here in the Diocese of Rockford. Totally different down there. It's Bible Belt. There's about 2% Catholics. Yet, in a half the state of Oklahoma, in which there's only 60,000 Catholics, they have about 60 priests. The parish that my good friend who was ordained, this is the third year in a row they've had a young man ordained to the priesthood. And I was talking to uh, the pastor there, and I said, what do you do to create this culture of vocations? We have about over 400,000 Catholics in our diocese, and we're doing well. We have three priests in this parish. You know, not too many uh, priests have to have many parishes like some dioceses do, but at the end of the day, we, we need more priests. And it's not a lack of vocations. It's a lack of hearing the vocations. It's a lack of young men and women being able to discern through the noise whether or not God is calling them to be a priest. So I asked this pastor, how do you create this off, uh, culture of vocations? He said, I ask everybody. This one priest has had 24 young men join the seminary. Unbelievable. So ask people. That's something you can do. If you see somebody praying at church, if you see a young man altar serving, say, wow, I think you'd make a great priest. I really remember in my own discernment how much it meant when my great-grandma asked me, you know, I think you would be a really good priest. And she was Episcopalian. She's not even Catholic. So I think you guys can ask people when the Lord puts it on your heart, you know, has the Lord thought, have you ever thought about being a priest? It's a great life. You know what, have you ever thought about being a nun? It's, it's so great to see Father Ganella at the, end of the, at the end of the petitions to say, Lord, increase vocations in this diocese and in this parish. Have you prayed about whether or not you'd be open to a vocation coming from your family? Have you prayed about whether or not one of your sons, whether your nephews, one of your daughters, one of your nieces to be a nun, to be a priest, have you talked to your kids about whether they've ever thought about their, your grandkids being, giving their life to the church? I've studied with a lot of guys whose families strongly resented 
them being in the priesthood, joining the convent. Uh, and that's something you have to take to prayer. That's something you have to struggle with in your own relationship with Christ. But that's the reality. Uh, and it's something that we need to pray for those who, you know, it's tough enough to join the seminary, let alone if you don't have that support. I mean, my, I, I praise God every day that my family has supported my vocation, that all of you have supported my vocation, uh, that Monsignor Knox has supported my vocation the way that, that all of you have. So we need to pray for vocations. We need to recognize, as St. Paul said in the second reading, each of us are called by God. Each of us are called to be saints. And that sanctity is to have Christ within us. To recognize that when we receive the Eucharist, we go out and we bring Christ to the world in whatever way that he wants us to. We know the end of the story. God's kingdom is going to reign forever. Will you allow him to use you as his vessel, to have the same act of bravery and courage and virtue that these holy men and women did 2,000 years ago in the Holy Land, in Rome, in every corner of the earth. And now our Lord is calling you, the Diocese of Rockford, here in St. Charles, to go out and to be his witness to the world. For with the Holy Spirit, we can do anything.